from the WEEI studios. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. An Odyssey station. Now, more of Gresh and Keefe. On WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Noon straight up the lunchtime hour with Gresham Keefe here on Boston Sports Original, WEI, New England Sports Original, the WEI Sports Radio Network. Of course, 1037 down in Providence, Worcester, Springfield, Cape, and the Islands up in Keefe, New Hampshire, and in the great state of Maine. At 1230, Kiefer Madness comes your way. And what I mentioned, the Dork Podcast up right now, WEEI.com. Uh, Rich and Davey breaking down spoiler-free Batman review. Both. Spoiler-free to start. Spoiler-full. more Mostly spoiler-full, but we give you a warning if you haven't seen it yet. But a lot of people have seen it. Number one movie in the world by far. People are back in the theaters when I saw it last week, it was jam-packed in there. Anybody so. walk out during the movie? Only Greg Hill. Learned that this morning. I was flabbergasted. The movie's long, but like you knew that going in. Yeah. Uh, but he left. He got up and left halfway through. I'm shocked. Mm. See, if I don't and go. Appalled. Yeah, See, you didn't walk That's out. disrespectful it to is. go and yeah. leave. I just don't go. That's fine. Very different, right? Then you it's made a choice. choice. Yep. That's right. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline to talk about the choice that the New England Patriots apparently are not going to make today on J.C. Jackson. That would be our friend Tom E. Curran, Patriots insider of NBC Sports Boston on the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy, how are you this fine afternoon? Tremendous. Top of the world. How's my guy? Uh, we're good, friend. How is J.C. Jackson right now? And Tommy, how much of the decision it, it is, uh, I know you've written about it, lots of people have written about it, that it looks like J.C. Jackson is not going to be franchised. Is it their thought about the player? Is it his asking price? Is it just not wanting to use the tag? Have you been able to figure out, Tommy, what might be the biggest factor in the decision that the Patriots will make at 4 o'clock today? As Bill says, it's a mosaic. All of it adds up to, <laughs> you know, the decision of, look, is he a good player? Absolutely. Has he been productive? No doubt. Is he going to be seeking Jalen Ramsey money? Yeah, $20 million. So if you franchise him and you dive through all these hoops in order to maintain the control over J.C. Jackson for 2022, who else does that impact on your roster? And in impacting the rest of your roster and making sure that you can't improve at some other positions where you can get, say, three $6 million players for the 17 you're paying J.C. Jackson, will he be a shutdown corner? Will he erase a player on the other side of the field. So the franchising, to me, was a layup. Could you have figured out a way to, to perhaps sign him, and could they still figure out a way to sign him to a, a four-year, 64-year, $70 million contract? Well, maybe, and that would be more palatable than coughing up $17 million in a cap hit this year because, you know, as we realized after the Patriots spending last year, they don't have a lot of cap room. So I think it's all of those things together, and him – getting it out there that he's looking for $20 million a year would have made him very difficult to trade. Remember that, too. If the Patriots had the intention of franchising him and then trading him, any team who's going to give up, say, a second-round pick understands that this is a player who I'm also going to have to sign to a contract that's going to pay him 18 or $19 million a year. So a second-round pick and 
having to give him top-of-the-market money, that's probably not going to make him palatable for a lot of trade partners. Do you think he'll get the number that he's looking for, $20 million a year? No, I don't. I don't think that the – and I'll base it on this too, Rich. J.C. Jackson had 23 passes defense this year. He's had 17 picks over the last two years, 25 in his career. Nobody's afraid of throwing at J.C. Jackson. Now, should they be? Maybe. Right. But they also win when they throw at him, too. Uh-huh. They don't throw at Jalen Ramsey. They don't throw at Darrell Revis. They don't throw at Stephon Gilmore. Those are the players who should command that money. Now, $20 million is not going to be what $20 million was in a year or two, given the way the cap is going up. But still, I just don't think that I think he's a top 10 corner. I think he's a top seven corner in production, but I don't think he is an eraser. Tommy, if JC Jackson walks out the door to test free agency, does the door here close behind him? Yeah, I think, I think he can pretty much count on JC Jackson, not being a Patriot in 2022 or for that matter, going down the road Um, because He's too pricey. And I think there's also a reticence among Patriots for players that they've developed that they often don't like to pay through the nose for them. And it doesn't just extend to Chandler Jones, for instance, a first-round pick. It extends to Trey Flowers or Malcolm Butler or J.C. Jackson. Yes, these guys develop here in New England, but I think the Patriots also look at it as, hey, these guys developed and put up the numbers they did and had the success they did and played in the spotlight because of where they were. And you can't say that they were wrong on Malcolm Butler. He spent three years with Tennessee on a five-year, $60 million contract, and the quarterback rating against him and throwing at him was over 90 in each season. He allowed, I believe, 11 touchdowns and had seven picks. So every metric that you could use would say that Malcolm Butler was an average corner being paid as, an, as one, a top 10 one when he went to Tennessee. What was your reaction to Kyle Van Noy getting cut yesterday? It's funny. You know, he and I have, have developed kind of a professional friendship, and he was leery of something coming down. I was like, well, why would they release you? Why would they move on from you? I mean, you played 75% of the snaps. There were games when you were the most productive. He said, I just don't have a good feeling about it. And hmm. um, So I wasn't surprised because he had kind of – signaled it but i still look at it and go okay well you're saving five million dollars great he gave you more than a five million dollar player would give you what are you going to replace a guy who played 75 percent of the snaps and in my estimation was their best defender on multiple sundays is he at the top of you know the the league as, as a linebacker i don't know but he's damn productive he was better than collins he was better than hightower Bentley had some good games, but I would still say that, that Van Noy was better than Bentley. It's tough to see him push away from the table on him. And, I mean, what, what was your feeling on it, guys? So I mean, he's I, still a good player as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so. I was sort of caught in the I, I would like to see all new linebackers, but if I had to mm-hmm. if I had to rank the guys, like especially the, the veteran guys, he was at the top of my list. Like He flashed more than anybody else. So, I, I looked at it where, all right, if they're willing to move on from Van Noy, they better sure be willing to move on from those other three guys. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I think that, that Bentley has some relevance as a run stopper, and I can't imagine he's going to go out there and find 
huge riches. I mean, True. teams are going to look at him and go, what am I supposed to do with this guy? I mean, <laughs> he has more value to the Patriots than any place else. I said, Matt Patricia was um, still running the Lions. You know, Bentley would be there. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Immediately. Maybe he'll be a Raider um, then. True, <laughs> maybe McDaniels. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I get it. And Mayo talked about it, and we're going to have the sound. It'll be on my podcast. It was really interesting when we talked about leadership. And he said, it's time for these guys to elevate. The next group has to, to elevate, and hopefully it'll be our best players. And it seems like they're forcing the hand in the way they did maybe a, a little bit in 08 and 09, when it was Harrison, Seymour, Vrabel, Brewski, all leaving the, the franchise that year. And, you know, just, okay, elevate. Who's, who's going to be our guys? But at least they had Mayo, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, at that juncture to step into that void. I don't know who their linebacker guy will be. I mean, Uche can't get on the field. Seems good in training camp. Seems good in minicamp. Can't get on the field during the season. Is he a good player or not? Same thing with Winovich. Yeah, and you know, Tommy, like for some of those guys like Uche, I almost think of those guys as more stand-up defensive end or rush players yeah. than traditional linebackers, which, which makes me wonder two things that I want to bring to you is – is is the linebacker spot about to go through that sort of big turnover where you find your guys in reinventing? Or is this defense being reinvented, Tommy, where it's really about the guys that play up along the line of scrimmage and the guys on the back end, and it's kind of catch-as-catch-can at linebacker? Like, I'm not saying that the linebacking position is being phased out because you still need a good middle backer. But I'm wondering if you need to carry seven or eight like you used to even just five years ago. We'll find out. We'll find out how good teams are at exploiting that that second level. Because, if again, look at the team you're dealing with. If you have to deal with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen at 6'5", whatever he is, 240, running downhill, he's going to run through Adrian Phillips here and there. He's going to run through Kyle Duggar here and there. As, as strong as those guys are, will he has readily run through a 240-pound linebacker? Um, you know, the the key conversion in the second meeting between the Patriots and Bills was a fourth and one on which I believe it was Jamie Collins and J.C. Jackson missed a tackle on, on uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So who's making that play for you? you got to find the guy who's going to make that play against your divisional rival. And I don't know if Adrian Phillips is doing it. I mean, I think that Duggar could, and I have high expectations. And I think that Phillips is a very good player. But who does it at the second level? I mean, there's so often, to your point, Andy, there's so often just two linebackers on the field. Well, who are they? And how do they play? Are they just beefed up safeties? Are they defensive ends who sometimes double the way Hightower has as a, as a linebacker? Um, he's done more than double, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Now, Amari Cooper is uh, likely to be available soon, the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. And Lewis Riddick says that uh, he's got the New England Patriots written all over him. Do you buy that for a second? Is it, what, what are the chances that Amari Cooper comes to the Pats? I love Amari Cooper. I, I really like Robbie Anderson, too. And if the Patriots are kicking tires on them and looking at Nelson Aguilar and saying, look, we tried, we had the money, we tried to find a downfield target, and he's not our guy, then great. Because I, I really like Robbie Anderson. He's bigger, 6'3", 190, than a six foot 190-pound um, Aguilar. When he's had a good quarterback, which he did 
not a good one, but a, a, a similar one to Mac and Teddy Bridgewater. He was really productive in 2020. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say Teddy's good. Anyway. Uh, Teddy's so fine. Teddy's fine. Amari, Amari, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fine. Yeah, he's fine. Top 15. No, uh, no, no, he's 18. not top 15. Yeah, okay. Top 18. 20. Top 18. 20. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the league. Top. Get out the big board. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Back to look the board. Look where we are. Look yeah. where we are now. Yeah. You started with Amari yeah. Cooper. And no, now Amari Co- no, no, and, and Amari Cooper. I'm with you. Like, I, I like Amari Cooper as a player just fine, and he's coming off a deal where he's making $20 million a year. So even if that number I comes know. down a little bit, it's still going to be pretty significant. Like, Robbie Anderson makes more sense, I think, for the Patriots. Not that they can't afford it. Not that they can't figure out a way to do it, because I think they can. But I just can't imagine after last year's spending spree, Bill Belichick saying, all right, let's give 17, 18 million to a wide receiver, no matter who it is. Right. Because yeah. yes, you need that position filled. And yes, the going rate is 11 or 12 million. But at some point, Jacoby Myers, who's been a, con- you know, and yeah, you can probably find another Jacoby Myers, but it's disrespectful to throw the ball to Jacoby Myers. 111 times, have him catch 85 of them, even if it's only for 800 yards, and then pay him $2 million or $3 million and have somebody else who's half as productive, whether it be Nikhil Harry or Nelson Aguilar, making three times as much. Tommy, but that's the nature of the business. Tommy, are you surprised Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay? Not really. I just don't. I, I think that he's all bluster, but in the end, he just likes the attention, but is going to go with what's comfortable. Are, are you guys? I mean, I, yeah. I think this is more of a character um, personality yeah. study than it is a football study. No, I expected him to be back. I, I didn't. I didn't know the Packers were going to go two hundred million dollars and all, and you know, all whatever it ends up being. But I didn't think he's going to leave either because it felt like last year at the same time we were talking about this, and he ended up returning, winning another MVP, and and you know, getting all the attention. I think it's a lot easier for him to stay. Because this team's also in a better spot than Tom Brady's was in 2019 here. Sure. So, but it felt like uh, it, it seemed it seemed like Tommy that Rodgers felt like he had to kind of keep the Packers' feet to the fire, maybe, uh, or he wasn't going to get paid the amount that would make people still talk about him in breathless terms. Mm, that's you true were, too. You're right. He loves the attention, man. Big time. Loves it. Brady Brady wouldn't have gone had he not been forced to go. Yet, look what pushing him out of the nest created for him it completely rebooted not just certainly it continued his career but it completely rebooted his his entire persona it 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 pushed him into becoming in many ways a different person and a more evolved person whether we find that as palatable as the guy who was here or not and i don't know i think it's a really hard thing i mean rogers can stay with the safe thing he knows he's going to win 10 to 12 games he knows where he can get his wings. He knows he's going to how everything's going to go. Go to Denver, it would have been a hell of a lot different. Could have been better, but maybe change was a little daunting. Yeah, very much so. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston breaking it down with us. Tommy, thank you, friend. We'll catch you next week. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tom. Goes, uh, Tommy with us on the Harbor One Hotline.